A true leader has the confidence to stand alone, the courage to make tough decisions, and the compassion to listen to the needs of others. He does not set out to be a leader, but becomes one by the equality of his actions and integrity of his intent. That's from General Douglas MacArthur. All right, welcome to the Charlie Mike Podcast. We want to continue the mission within our veteran community. We want to continue to make an impact within the community. All right, the show is hosted by the Veteran Employee Resource Group at MYR Group. My name is Paul Salgado. I'm a journeyman lineman by trade here at Sturgeon Lush, California. Currently serving as the board chair for the Veteran Employee Resource Group. Being a part of the team is uh, something I'm truly, truly passionate about. Extremely rewarding, strengthening our veteran community, empowering other veterans within and outside our organization. All right, speaking of our organization, we've got a special guest, David Sterren, Senior Talent Acquisition and Diversity Partner at MYR Group, also the HR Advisor for the Veteran Employee Resource Group. David, how are we doing? Awesome, Paul. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, no sweat. Happy man. to be here. Yeah. Uh, braving the elements in uh, the Colorado winter here? Yeah, it's cold out here today. No snow, but it, it is it is cold. I have brothers and sisters in the East Coast getting um, getting the worst of it. I think there's some been some uh, some storm going out there. Yeah, definitely. And we've got some NYR group subsidiaries battling that probably right now. So, Well, thanks for joining us, David. I uh, want to kind of talk about... You highlight your job, your role. Um, you're kind of a unique individual where you specialize in in talent acquisition. Um, with you, you, you yourself being a veteran, it's kind of unique where you have a great perspective and you have a lot of uh, knowledge. We want to highlight that today on this episode. That cool with you, brother? Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's go. All right, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Uh, what was it like being a young David? Yeah, so I, I grew up in uh, New Hampshire, Merrimack, New Hampshire, kind of small town. Um, and it was, you know, it's like a small town, not not a whole lot going on. Um, but, you know, I went went to high school, uh, all through high school. I thought I wanted to go to college. And then the closer I got to graduating, the more I realized I wasn't ready for college. And I wanted to do something different. You know, all my friends were going to college. They already had plans to go. Um I said, I just didn't, it wasn't my path at the, at the time. Uh, wanted to do something different that nobody, none of my friends were doing. Um, nobody in my family had done. Um, so one day, I think I was probably late sophomore year, uh, walked into the Army recruiter office, started chatting with him, just trying to understand what, what the military is and what, what they do and what, what jobs are available. Um, and frankly, did, didn't, great, didn't have a great experience with the Army recruiter. I thought he was just telling me just what I wanted to hear um, and how great the army was and how you could travel the world and, uh, you know, do all these great things without any of the, the negative parts of it. Um, so I walked away with, with frankly, not, not a great impression of the military. Um, so maybe a month later, I walked back into the same recruiting office, uh, but I walked into the Marine recruiter office and it was eye opening to say the least. The Marine recruiter was hardcore to say the least. He, he told me I might not even make it through boot camp, let alone become a Marine. Um, he kind of laid it on, on the line for me. And I don't know if it was, you know, like a psychological thing where he was telling me I couldn't make it. Um, but it, it, it stuck with me. And I thought, well, yeah, I, of course I can do it. I'm, I'm me. I can, I can do it. Um, so then I went home. I talked to my parents about it. Um, they were not thrilled. Um, 
they actually told me I couldn't join the military. They wouldn't allow me at, at that point. Um, so I, I frankly kind of kind of dropped the subject um, until early my junior year. Um, I was thinking again about what I was going to do. And I still wasn't ready for college, still wanted to do something different. So I went back into the Marine recruiting office, talked to the same drill instructor that kind of berated me and told me I wasn't good enough and said I wanted to join. I said, I, I, I think I can do it. I want to be I want to be a part of something special. Um, and at that point, I still couldn't formally re-enlist because I was still just 17. Um, so I did like a, a pre-enlistment kind of thing where you can kind of you kind of train a little bit um, and be be around you know, other Marines, like the recruiters, they kind of, you know, train you, at least get you ready for boot camp. So I, I did that for the summer. And then when I turned 18, um, I, I went in and formally enlisted um, against my parents' good wishes. Um, but again, it wasn't about them. It was about me. It was about my future and what I wanted to do. Um, what, what, so, so it happened. What was your exposure to the military? I know you said no one in your family, none of your friends were doing it, but what was your... Were you watching movies? Were you reading books? Did you have any any inclination to draw you to that that path? No, there was nothing. Um, I you know I wasn't into like war movies. Um, I never held a real gun, let alone shot one. Never never had seen a rifle, any any anything like that. I just wasn't. I didn't play army when I was a kid. Um, like I said I was just looking to do something different, um, and uh, maybe do something I didn't think I could do. Um, and again, just I just wanted to be special, um, and that was the only other thing I could think of aside from going to college or, you know, joining the military. Seemed like the, the right path for me to to do what I wanted to do and, and to kind of be the person that I wanted to be. And I was in high school. I was real timid. I was real shy. Um, I didn't look anybody in the eye. Um, do you remember? I, I was at. Oh, go ahead. I'll say I was I was athletic. I mean, I played a lot of sports, but it, it didn't build a lot of confidence in me. Um, and I, I just didn't, I didn't want to continue living, living my life like that. I, I needed something to kind of bring out, bring out that best part of me. Do you remember why you kind of initially went to the army recruiter? Was that something that drew you there? Was it just kind of the first door and you left? It was pretty much the first door on the left. Yeah, it was on, it was on the right. Um, but yeah, it was kind of the first one I went into. I didn't know a lot about the Marines, um, other than they were hard, um, in the army, I, I don't know. I guess I, I saw, I probably saw ads about the army. So that's kind of, that's the first branch I thought of. Right on. Okay. Take us to, uh, to, to you leaving a boot camp, uh, as, as a Marine or going to be a Marine. Um, your parents were still, still not on board. You're kind of just going out there at your own will trying to do what, what's best for you. Is that kind of the case? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they were sort of on board at that point when they saw me graduate in uniform, they, they kind of, kind of got on board. They weren't, they still weren't thrilled. They weren't really supportive. Um, but I think they just accepted it because that's, it was kind of too late for them to do anything at that point. Um, was there a culture shock for you arriving to boot camp? You know, frankly, it, it wasn't. Um, I mean, it, it's obvious that the, the first day is a culture shock when you step off the bus on, and I'm not sure how the other branches do it, but in the Marines, you step off the bus onto these yellow footprints, uh, and the yelling starts immediately. And it's, you know, it's like two or two or three o'clock in the morning. You're all discombobulated. You don't really know what's going on. Um, but after, after that, that first couple of days were kind of weird just because it's completely different. You know, everything's different. Everything's new. Um, there's a lot of yelling. Um, 
But once I once I kind of got into the routine a couple of weeks later, um, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, you know, I did what I was supposed to. I didn't I didn't speak out. I, did, I, I wasn't a, an idiot about it. Um, I just I, like I said, I did what I was supposed to. I kept my head down. Um, and that that's kind of what makes it easy. It's you know, when you try to stand out or, or, you know, not obey the orders is when you kind of get smacked around a little bit. Um, but I didn't I didn't do that. I just I did everything that I thought I should do, everything I was told to do uh, and did it the best I could. Yeah, that's kind of the secret. No physical. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, secret. Yeah, that, that's the secret. Boot yeah. camp is uh, they call yeah. it kind of be the gray man where you're just you're there. You're going to do your time. You're going to learn what you need to learn. You don't need to speak out, uh, you know, uh, those soft leadership skills kind of uh, pull through. But for the most part, you're just kind of doing your thing, learning, learning the ways, learning the rules and regulations and kind of going about your business. So that's kind of a smart way. I think the, the knuckleheads who uh, want to show that the DI is a thing or two, it kind of uh, it kind of get, gets uh Get them in trouble. So to be a to be a good soldier, marine at that point, it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, like I said, I had to learn everything. Like I said, I I never shot a gun, never held a gun. I didn't know how to take it apart. I didn't know they came in pieces. <laughs> um, so everything everything to me was was new, and I I had to learn. So I was focused on just learning and, and trying to be the best best marine I could. That's almost probably the best way though, because you're kind of going with with no bad habits. You're going to learn the marine way how to shoot. Uh, how, did that work out that way for you? Exactly. You know, there's, I have a kind of funny story about my first time shooting. Um, Uh and it was, you know, again, I was, I was a little, I was nervous, you know, um, I remember we're we're at the 200 yard line. Uh, and and at this point we just dry fired. Um, I think all veterans know what dry firing is. So I, I, you know, didn't have real, real rounds at that point, but we finally got to the part where we start, we actually start shooting lying in the prone at the 200 yard line. And I'm shooting, and I don't know, five or six rounds. I'm not hitting anything. I wasn't hitting dirt. Um, <laughs> and the drill instructor laid down beside me, like right next to me. He was, he was touching me, whispered in my ear. He said, I, I've got a secret for you. The next time you take a shot, open your eyes. I was like, oh, my God. He was right. I opened my eyes, and I started hitting the target. And that eventually, you know, breath, you know breathing, focus. I started, I, I did really well, frankly, I, I graduated expert and just kind of, I got better from there. Um, you know, fast, you fast forward a few years, I ended up winning a, a best of the best contest at one of my units. We, we qualified in all the weapons we had to, we had to use. And I ended up winning a, a best of the best contest. Um, and I never forgot, I was going to say, I'm sorry. And I never forgot the drone instructor lying down next to me, whispering in my ear to keep my eyes open when I was shooting. Um, very basic, simple command. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shooting is easy. I mean, it really is. It's it's basic. It's just, you know, focus and, and breathing and just being in, being in the moment at that time. A lot to be said, especially um, now in, in as we progress in our careers and, and just those basic shooting marksmanship skills, how they can just uh, really relate to a lot of things we do as professionals now. Uh, how'd, exactly, you, yeah. how'd you deal with just kind of the, the routine, the folding the clothes, just kind of, uh, being told what to eat, what to eat, when to eat, when to sleep. How'd that work out for you? You know, that part was, was challenging. Um, because I'm not, I'm not tall. Um, I was one of the shortest guys in my platoon and everyone gets lined up by height in boot camp. So I ate last. I went to the bathroom last. I did everything last. Um, so I, I learned to I learned to eat very quickly without really chewing because I didn't have a lot of time to eat. Um, so that part I didn't really care for. Um, 
you know, and asking for permission to do everything, you know, go to the bathroom to, you know, wash your hands, anything. So that, you know, that part, that part was kind of challenging and it's, it's, you know, you never really get used to that asking for permission to, to you know, look at somebody or even or do anything. Um, but again, it, it teaches discipline and it, it teaches skill sets that carry on forever. I mean, you never, never forget that stuff. I still fold my shirts in a six by six square. I fold my skivvies in a four by four square. Um, everything's neat. I, I align my clothes in my closet by color. Um, so a lot of that stuff is just kind of stuck with me through my life. And it, frankly, it makes me comfortable. Um, whenever I get stressed, I, I clean, I fold my clothes, I align my closet and it relieves a lot of anxiety. Just be just falling back on, on that muscle memory. It's a, it, it really helps me. Yeah. It's a fail safe, um, evolution or procedure that, that is comfortable to you. And it brings, uh, what they say, organize, if you organize a room or a closet or a drawer, it helps organize your mind. And so I can kind of see that revert back to that, that skill set and that, that muscle memory. And yeah, another, yeah. you you're throwing out some good tips here. If you don't want to go to boot camp as the shortest or the tallest uh, individual. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You want to be in the middle. Middle's always good. I'm 5'11", yeah. yeah, so I was, I was in the middle. Yeah. 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 The tall guys get picked on and the short guys get picked on. You get, you really want to be in the middle, but I, you know, unfortunately I was, I was the second shortest out of, I think we graduated 52 people. Um, and I was, I was 51. Good times. Um, Kind of want to capture that that moment. You graduated. Did your parents come to terms with you being a United States Marine and kind of get that? Did you get that acknowledgement that you were kind of were you seeking that acknowledgement from your parents? I was. Yeah, I, I definitely was. Um, and I remember getting criticized from my mother for being in the back because she didn't understand that the line is all up by height. So she was like, how come you're in the back? I, th- I thought you I thought you graduated well. And I was like, well, it's kind of your fault. It's by height. So I'm I'm not I'm short. You're short. It's just, it's just how it works. Doesn't not anything personal against me. It's just how they do it. <laughs> good old, good <laughs> so, old mom p- pointing out the good yeah. details. Yeah. My parents were good at focusing on negative stuff and not, you know, even in high school, if I got, if I brought home a B plus, they would say, well, if you got a B plus, you could have gotten an A. I'm like, well, you're right. All right. <laughs> Man, that was, <laughs> it was a good, I sound like it was a good transition. You for be a Marine and take that criticism. Um, let's fast forward. Let's go to what kind of schooling did you get into? What would you, uh, would you get yourself involved in from, uh, after boot camp? Uh, so after, after boot camp, I went to, uh, advanced infantry school, uh, Cambridge, North Carolina. I uh, went to, went to boot camp at Paris Island. Um, so I, I went to, like I said, advanced infantry school at, at Camp Lejeune. I spent about three months there. Um, once I graduated, graduated top of my class. Um, and at that point they said, it was like the top, I think top 10%, they said you could pick your next duty station. So I had this list of duty stations, you know, it was, it was like England, Moscow, a bunch of exotic places that I, I thought would be cool to go to. So I, I was, I think my first choice was London. Um, I think Moscow was actually on there. It was a, it was a different, different time. Um, and I forget what my third choice was, but I ended up getting picked to go to Panama because uh, the invasion had just happened um, with Noriega. And they needed, they needed folks down there to kind of help support the transition, everything that was happening down there. And I was I remember looking at it like Panama wasn't even on the list I had. And now I'm, now I'm being put into a semi-war zone. Um, and I, I frankly, I kind of panicked a little bit. Um, then I thought, well, maybe 
maybe they wanted the best of the best kind of thing. There you so go. That, that, that's why I got picked. So I kind of tried to pump myself up. I don't know if that was the case or not. I'm just trying to make stuff up to make myself feel better. Um, so was it a culture, so yeah, shock, so, culture shock number yeah, two yeah. when you arrived to Panama? Oh, yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. Um, I had never been out of the States until that point. Uh, been traveled around like the U.S. a little bit as a kid, but never been out of the country. Um, so that whole thing was a culture shock. Like the weather, everything was everything was new. Um, you know, I didn't speak the language of the natives. Um, and that, that's when it really hit that I was actually a Marine. It didn't really, didn't really hit, hit me at that point. Even through all the training at, at Camp Lejeune, you don't, you don't really feel like a Marine until you really get to your first duty station. Um, and that's kind of what happened to me. I remember showing up in Panama, and I, I, you know, brand new uniforms. Um, all my boots were spit shined. So I, I show up in the morning for, for our morning formation, and it's for PT. Uh, we're going on a run, and I, I'm, I'm showing up in leather boots, spit shined. And I got destroyed. I can't even tell you uh, the, <laughs> the beatings I took. Um, and they thought I was being a smart ass, frankly, just showing up, you know, brand new stuff and, and spit shine boots. And I remember just being tormented. Um, There's the new guy. Because of it. Yeah. New guys, you know, trying to impress everybody. Um, did you, did you, it, it was fine. At, at that point where you're that new guy, cause I, we all get that feeling. I remember I reported on board, um, my first ship, I was in the Navy and, um, the airplane lost my luggage, um, I just had my sea bag and I had my, my dress blue. So I'm in my cracker jacks and I have no idea. No, no cell phones are not a big thing right there. And you're just kind of like, man, what did I get myself into? It was one o'clock in the morning. I'm arriving to my ship. So, but did you have any regrets at that time where you're second guessing um, your decision or was it just, were you, you kind of confident? Uh, I was, I was still pretty confident. Um, I didn't really, I don't think I ever really second guessed. Um, I started to rethink my choices a little bit. Um, especially, you know, the first time you, you, first time you're engaged and you, you know, rounds are going back and forth. Like the first time I, I shot for real was, was, it was life changing. Um, what was that like? What was the situation? What was, what was going on at that point? Uh, we were just, we would, we do a lot of jungle patrols and we we're trying to kind of just keep a, a grasp on Noriega's former army. They turned into the kind of old, their old militia. Um, so we, we engage with them quite a bit. Um, and it, it, you know, it's terrifying. It's not, it's not a video game. It's not, it's not TV. Um, especially when you don't know where the rounds are coming from, cause it's, you know, it's a jungle, it's triple canopy. You don't see a lot. You can maybe see a flash, a muzzle flash here and there. Um, but when you don't know where the stuff is coming from, um, we really, you know, of course we're all Marines. We all think we're, we're bulletproof. Sure. Um, you know, but we, you know, I, I learned a lot. Um, I, I did things I never thought that I could do as, as a kid. I was looking, you know, I remember looking back at, at high school and from high school to where I was at that time, I never thought that I would be in those situations and leading, I was leading a team at that point. Did, did you feel yourself almost wanting to revert to, to a panic or trying to re- battle that and rely back on that training? I wanted to rely back on that training and I, I didn't want anyone to think that I joined them because I, you know, I, my parents, I don't, I didn't think I could do it. My brother didn't think I could do it. And I, I never wanted, I never wanted that feeling that I couldn't do it. So I just, you know, you go back to your training in boot camp and all that, the advanced infantry training and you just, you just focus on what the mission is. You just continue mission. 
you said at that point you were leading a team. What, what kind of leader do you think you were? And, and what, what kind of, uh, what was it like being, cause you're young, you're young at that point. I imagine. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was young. Yeah. I was, I was 19. Um, you know, I was, I was, a, I was a team leader. They put me in charge of a team. Um, I would say I'm not the most vocal person. Um, I lead by example. Um, like I said, you know, I yelled when I had to, but for the most part, I, I tried not to. I tried to just maintain my my calm because I think that that works out a lot better, especially when stuff is happening. You don't want a leader who's running around yelling and screaming and being just being a crazy person. So I, I think I learned early on that I think you just stay calm and focused and poised because your, your team is looking to you to lead. And if they see that you're scared, I mean, we're all scared. It, it's it just it, it's, it's just the way it happens. Yeah. Um, but use use that fear to focus that's, and move forward. That's that's a hard lesson learned too at a young young age in a very uh, chaotic situation. I I I'm not speaking for experience. It's I was in the Navy. It was a different type of uh, uh, relationship with with what I did. So that's pretty unique. Um, was that kind of the whole stand at Panama, just really patrolling and, and, and kicking down doors and, and kind of negotiating that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. It, it died down probably the last six months I was there. It got, it got, it died down. So we didn't really, we didn't, didn't have a lot of engagement with, with anyone. Um, I think it became kind of nice. It was kind of relaxing. You know, it's, you know, the weather can be nice down there. Um, you know, it's tropical. Um, we tried to have fun on our off time and you know, the little off time we had, we tried to enjoy ourselves. You know, we go to the ocean and swim and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, a lot of lessons learned early on. I bet. Um, yeah. how much time total would you spend, spend there in Panama? Was that your total enlistment? Uh, it was eight, I was, no, no, it was 18 months in Panama. Um, but I, during that time I did spend, I spent three months in, uh, England, England and Scotland um, it was kind of an interesting story. So we, we, we had a, during the, during the time I was in Panama, we did a, we had a Marine of the Year competition. Um, and it, I ended up coming in second. I was, I was runner up. Oh. Um, so my prize was to do an exchange program with the British Royal Marines. Wow. So a bunch of those, a bunch of them came over here. A bunch of us went over there. So I spent three months between England and Scotland, just training with the Royal Marines. Um, that was that was a that was a really fun experience too. Um, I bet, and that's that was, yeah, that's pretty something to be proud of. Just when you're com- not in, not only competing within your unit or, or your your branch of service, but when you're competing with other other nations and the best of the best and whatever that looks like, that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of really where I th- I felt like I grew up um, when I when I won that because I w- I did that on my own, you know, and I was, was my parents' voices were always in the back of my mind telling me I wasn't good enough and I couldn't do it. And when I finally reached kind of that pinnacle where I, I did that by myself and I earned it on my own, I earned it because of, I think, who I was becoming. It was, I was a really proud moment of my, you know, if I can brag a little bit, it was a, it was a proud moment. Still 21, 20, that, that time frame, you think? Yeah, it's probably 20. Yeah. I got you. Um, your story's kind of neat, unique and I kind of want to shift out. Is there anything else in, because you're, you're double service here and we'll, we'll get into that, but uh uh, if you want to kind of fast forward to that, you're starting to transition out of the Marine Corps. What's, what's, what's going on in that decision-making right there? Yeah. So I, I had thought about re-enlisting. Um, but then I, 
I wasn't kind of real sure I what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to re-enlist, but I didn't, wasn't sure I wanted to make it a career because it is a hard life. Um, yeah. And then I just kind of decided, well, I'll, I'll get out and go to school because I'd, I'd always wanted to go to college. And that at this point, I felt like I was ready. I was like I was ready for that commitment to be in college. Um, so I did. So when I got out, um, I was already I already ready to go. I went to Northeastern in Boston. Um, I was a criminal justice major at the time. Um, so, you know, I got my degree after four years at Northeastern. Um, but then the weird part was I, I, like I graduated, spent some years working, um, but I just sort of felt like I was missing something and I just sort of felt lost. Um, and I missed being in uniform. I missed the camaraderie. I missed, I missed, I missed being a Marine. Um, so fast forward a few years, it's probably 10 years after I, after I got out of the Marines, I was really thinking about kind of what I, what I wanted to do and where I was going. And I thought, well, maybe I can go to grad school. Maybe that'll kind of help fill the void that I was, I was missing. Um, but I didn't want to pay for it by myself. So I was trying to think of ways I could pay for it. And I happened to see an ad for the army reserves about, um, they were looking for former, former enlisted folks. They were giving, um, the, you know, tuition bonuses, uh, reenlistment bonuses. So I, I walked into a different, it was a different recruiting office, but I walked into the Army recruiting office. Well, I'm sorry, sorry. First, I walked into the Marine recruiting office and said, hey, I kind of think about reenlisting. What kind of benefits do you guys offer? They said they, they didn't really offer any benefits uh, for former former Marines. Huh. It's like, well, that's not really what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I did, they really didn't want to be on active duty again. Like I said, I just wanted to do like the, Week, you know, weekend warrior kind of thing, one weekend a month, two weeks a year. Yeah. Um, so I walked across the hall to the army recruiter and said, so I told him what I wanted. I said, I'd like to go to grad school, um, looking for some help, help paying for it, whatever else, whatever benefits you can offer. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a, a reenlistment bonus, we'll pay for your school, we'll pay for your rent, we'll cover all your expenses while you're in school, as long as you're under contract. It's like, sign me up. Perfect. Um, signed up, <laughs> signed up for six years. Um, and again, at this point, it was, it was supposed to be the weekend thing, one weekend a month. Um, I went to my first drill. This was in February. I re-enlisted. My first drill was in March. What year was this? Um, this was 2007. Um, yeah, I went to my first drill. Uh, at the end of the weekend, I got pulled aside and was told that the following Monday, the next day, I had to show up to the state headquarters for the for the army. Um, and that was pretty much it. It was kind of cryptic, not a, not a whole lot. It was, but I was, I was under orders. I get a, I was handed orders. Uh, so I had to take time off from work to go show up at their, um, their headquarters for, this was in Massachusetts. And they said that they, when I got there on Monday, they said that they needed people to go to Iraq and being a former Marine. Um, I had the skill sets they were looking for, um, and I'd been to Iraq and Marines. We didn't we didn't get that far, but I'd been to Iraq and the Marines. So I'd been to the area that they were looking to send people to. And uh, they're like, yeah, what do you think? You want to go? I said, no. He said, I, I do not want to go. I am. I was 38 when I reenlisted. Um, so, I, I didn't, again, I didn't want to be on active duty. I just wanted the benefits, really, yeah. you know. And they said, well, too bad. It's not really your choice. We, we, weren't, we, we weren't asking. We were telling. And I said, well, I, I said, what choice do I have? And they said, well, you, you don't. Um, 
He said, you, 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 you re-enlisted, you signed up, you signed the contract, um, you're going. So long story short, I went through training. Um, so between March and August, I was training. And then September, I was in northern Iraq. You're not a great place. What um, what what job did you were you were you did you leave? Oh, so I I was attached. I went to I I was doing um, I was a safety and security manager for uh, a company back in Boston. And just um, basically, like, hey, they're sending me leaving, going Iraq. Yeah, I, I yeah yeah, and they were they were really supportive. They kept my job. Oh nice. Um, yeah, I mean they had to. The That's boss cool. says you, you can't you can't lose your job while you're deployed. Sure. Um, but they were, they were great. I mean, they, you know, they treated me well when I was gone. I was, I stayed in touch with a lot of folks that I, I worked with. Um, okay, yeah, so I was, I was, I went to Iraq for a year. So you're Northern Iraq, the heat of it, 2007, 2008, that's, you're kind of in the OIF area. There's a lot of pretty red area yeah. over there. It's good. It's good. Get, getting down, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was attached to a counterintelligence unit. Um, so we didn't, we weren't in uniform. You know, I, I was, we were civilian clothes. I grew my, grew my hair, had a beard, um, which made it even more strange because I wasn't, wasn't used to that. I was used to people knowing that I was a Marine just by, you know, by the uniform, the Marine patch. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to, to be in civilian clothes the whole time and, and kind of doing kind of whatever we wanted to do. We didn't, we didn't live on a base. We lived in a house that the State Department kind of commandeered um, in this little town in Iraq. Um, you know, we had a chef. We had it was it was weird. Like I said we lived in a house. I had my own room. Um, what were some of your your roles and duties? I don't know if you can talk about a little too much. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was a squad leader. Um, like I said, we were we were attached to a counterintelligence unit, so we we moved around with some State Department folks, uh, NSA folks. Um, came in contact with some CIA people while we were over there. Um, we were just trying to really just. We were just information gatherers, really. Um, we had a lot of sources that we met with in secret locations, and um, I mean, it was really pretty interesting. I, I learned a lot. I got to got to meet with a lot of a lot of people over there, um, a lot of locals. Um, locals were most of the locals were very very nice to us. You know, they offer us tea and just you know open their homes to us. What do you? We were, I mean, we're generally generally trying to help them out. Where do you think the most growth came from? Personally, if you reflect back in in that brief time where you were, or not brief time, but when you were a young Marine, and or when you went to the reserves as as a civilian, you, with that knowledge of a Marine, being a civilian, knowing what's what's out in the civilian sector, then then kind of being um, as an Army reservist, where did you feel that most most growth was was at in in your career? Now, I mean, from from that period of time, I think part of it was just. Um, I knew what to expect if oh. we ever, if we were, if we were engaged, I knew, I knew what it felt like. Um, so, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time trying to pass that on to my, my team and my, you know, all the guys I was working with, um, just trying to get them to understand what it's like and how, kind of how to manage that fear. Um, you know, you, you get tunnel vision. So trying to, you know, we did a lot of training about, you know, just how to focus and how to not to let the outside noise get to you and just, again, focus on what you need to do with and the mission at that time. Um, so I, I did pass on a lot of that knowledge, I think. I hope I did. Um, do you feel like it was your duty as 
uh, with previous previous combat experience and then you, your age, you're at 38, 39, you're kind of into that, that reflection area, area of your life. Uh, you feel like you were able to pass along and uh, give some good information? Yeah, I, I did feel like I was obligated and I didn't, I didn't want to be a leader. Um, I wanted to just kind of go in there and do my thing, but I got, I got promoted right before we went over. So I, I was, ended up being a sergeant. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like, and I was older too. I was older than my lieutenant. I was older than, um, my platoon commander. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I mean, I was in good shape though, but, but I, yeah, I was old. So I felt like, you know, even with my platoon commander, you know, he was, he was a lieutenant. I felt like I, it was my duty to pass on what I knew and, and share, share my knowledge. That's awesome. And I enjoyed it. I mean, as much as I didn't want to be a leader, um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed kind of being that, that person that people look to for guidance and, and support. Did you feel yourself utilizing that same leadership style as you did in the Marine Corps where it's just kind of soft-spoken, more of a, um, let me show you how, not yell at you kind of style yeah, leadership? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Coming up with some time here, I, I, I want to transition out of this, but there's a lot to be said. You, you have a great career, and there's a lot to, to, to be said about it. It covers, a, a, obviously, a long period of time, and there's some valuable lessons, but uh, we're going to have to sh- shift out of that. But uh, I want to make sure, was there any missed opportunities, or did you have any, is there any regrets that you have in your military career? I tr- you know, I try not to live my life with regrets. I think I learned that a long time ago. That's just not helpful. Um, but, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am now without the Marines and the Army. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm in a good place in my life. You know, I, I deal, you know, I'm a veteran, like a lot of veterans, I deal with PTSD. Um, I don't want to get too far off topic, but, you know, PTSD is, it can be debilitating. Um, and it's, it's taken me a long time to understand, you know, how to, how to deal with that and how to, how to live a, a somewhat normal life when you have all this stuff in your head, that's trying to constantly come out. Um, what are some of your, I, you know, what are some of your coping mechanisms? Uh, breathing, just kind of taking a deep breath and, and focusing on the moment and trying to stay in the moment. You know, it's easy to go back in the past and, and, you know, you end up reliving some of these horrific moments. Um, but just being mindful, staying focused really helps. Um, you know, my dogs help. My dogs are a great tool to help me stay focused and stay, stay in the moment. When did you realize, was there a specific time that you realized that, Hey, I have some issues, some recurring issues. Was, was there, was there a specific incident or just kind of come, come on to you? It was a pretty significant incident. Um, so I was, so I, I live in Colorado now. Yeah. Um, so when I got home from Afghanistan, I, I moved to Colorado cause I just needed a change need a change of scenery, need a, need a kind of a change of life. And I had a friend out in Colorado already. So I was staying with him when I moved out here. And one day I was, I had been home from Afghanistan probably a year. Um, but I remember I was driving. I, I, I remember where I was, but I was driving back to his house and I was at a stoplight and completely went, went blank. I didn't, I didn't know who I was, where I was going. It was a, it was a full blown panic attack. And I just, I, like I said, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my name. Um, and I remember just pulling over into a gas station and then just sitting there like full, like shaking and started crying. And I was like, I, I trying to just think of my name. So I remember pulling out my wallet 
looked at my license. At least I remembered my name. And then just, just kind of, I calmed down. I got out, got in my car, walked around a little bit. Once I finally calmed down, I remembered where I was and where I was supposed to go. Um, but yeah, I, I was terrified in that moment. Um, and then the next day I walked into the VA and said, I need help. And then kind of, you know, the whole process from there kind of happened. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a terrifying moment. How, how far are you separated now from, from your last day, your EOS? Uh, 20, 2014. How do you think you are now with your PTSD? You know, it still comes and goes. Um, but now I, at least if, if I, I feel when something's going to come on and I can kind of, I can usually stop it before it gets to a, a full blown attack. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of therapy, frankly, it's, it's understanding that you have problems and you need to talk through it. You can't just, you can't just avoid it and ignore it. That's what I, that's what I thought I could do. I thought I could just ignore it and not think about it. Um, frankly, the longer you go without thinking about it, the worse it gets when something does manifest. And I, you know, I learned that the hard way. I got into a really dark place when I was trying to figure out because therapy is uncomfortable. Um, like I said, I'm not much of a, I don't, I don't talk a whole lot. I don't like sharing my personal life with a stranger. Um, but it just got to the point where I just, I just opened myself up to the process and it's, it certainly helped. I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. Um, I, I still, I still struggle. Um, but I have a, I have a pretty good support system. Um, in, even with MYR, I have, a, I have a good support system in MYR. So that's, that, that's, that's the, that's the thing you really need. You can't, you can't do it alone. Do you think there's there's been success in, or there's been some um, some joy in maybe being able to recognize other veterans with PTSD and be able to just conversate with them and maybe help them have that conversation and maybe have them uh, you share those coping mechanisms or those those tools that you've learned throughout the years. Is there is there any joy in that? Yeah, a lot is really, I, I try to help as many veterans as I can. Um, you know, I think like a lot of veterans, I know I've, I've lost a lot of people I served with to suicide. And it's every time I hear about it, my, my heart just sinks because I know that if they had gotten the help that they needed, um, they, they'd probably still be here. Um, but it's, it's that stubbornness. And I think every branch kind of brings that out to you. You you know, you think you're invincible. You think you can do stuff on your own. You don't think you need help from anyone. Uh, but you, you can't, you, you just can't do it alone. I, I, I don't, and I, I, I constantly say that to people that I talk to, you, you can't do it alone. So don't, don't think you can. And it's okay to get help. Um, it's okay not to be okay. You just have to, you know, understand how much better your life could be when you finally realize that you need help and, and, and getting it is, is a life changer. You know, I know the VA, the VA process is challenging. Um, you know, I almost gave up a couple of times, but I, you know, at one point you just, the help is there if you need it. Like I said, it, it's, it can be a process to get into the system, but once you are, it, it's, it's great. And they, you know, there's so many people at the VA that want to help. And there are all of, there are all of veterans at the VA. They've been through the same things that we have. So they, they know what they're going through. They're not just some civilian doctors who just tell you to, well, just smile more and be happy. Everything will be okay. Um, there, there are veterans that, that are going through the same things that, that we are, so they can they truly understand. 
what it takes to get help. How much of that success is kind of on you to be transparent with your coworkers and your friends and family about, Hey, yes, I am a veteran and there, there's some, there's some issues to that with, with, with what I, with what I do, with what I've done. But you know, I have the tools and, 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 um, it's a work in progress, but, but to how, so my question is like, how much is that transparency important to you and allowing people to, to, to be a support group? It, it's really important. And it's important that people understand that I have bad days and there's sometimes it's sometimes it's pretty obvious when I'm having a bad day. Um, and it takes, it takes everything I have to keep it together. So I, I do, I do share with some folks on my team just so they, just so they understand. I don't want to share a whole lot, sure. but just so can just so they understand that, you know, everyone has bad days. Um, but I think, I think veterans have, I think it's on a different scale. Like a bad day for a veteran is, is different than a bad day. You know, if you go through Starbucks and they mess up your coffee order, that can ruin somebody's day. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't mean to make light of, of people's, people's problems because, uh, you know, everyone has stuff they need to deal with, but when it's, when it's, or a veteran, we're, we're dealing with different issues that not everyone can relate to. Um, and that's, I think that's really what I try to, what I try to get out is that it, it's, it's hard to, to relate sometimes. Um, and sometimes people don't know what to say, so they don't say anything, which is fine. Um, but again, I, I feel like I share as much as I need to, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think that's what brings us here today. Um, you and I volunteering for the, the veteran play resource group. And then this commitment to the podcast to have a platform to have these conversations and get the message out to uh, allow veter- veterans a platform or just a, an outlet to converse, to reach out, to, to hear a story like David's and say, Hey, maybe I should be the one making that call or, or maybe my story similar to David's and, you know, he was brave enough to get some help and um, continue to be a work in progress like we all are and, and hopefully kind of work on like we all are being, being a better person, being a better version of ourselves. So, um, and that's simply the reason why when we first initially had these conversations to start a podcast, this was the goal. This was the outcome we wanted. So um, I, I, I want to begin to transition, David, you got an amazing, incredible story. But uh, unfortunately, we, we can probably save that whole uh, story that, that your time of service for, for a three-hour-long podcast. But um, I want to cover some business, uh, if that's okay with you. Is there anything, anything else you want to kind of recap on on your, your time in service and, and what that looks like? No, I, I, think, I think we covered the highlights. Um, yeah, I think we can consider and probably talk all day, sure. go back and forth. But that's, yeah, I think, I think we, yeah, I think we'd certainly move on and talk about some well, other important things that we're trying to do within MYR cool. in our, in our sorry, resource group as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to st- stay on you real quick. We'll keep the highlight on you. Um, if you can, you talk about a little bit about, about your role and how you came about with MYR group, uh, your role as a senior talent acquisition. Yeah, so this isn't a role that um, I had really done in the past. My, my past role was an operations manager. Um, but I... You know, being an operations manager, you're generally involved with hiring and recruiting and retention and all that. And it was one thing I just really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed, what, I think one of the favorite things about the, my job now is that I get to talk to so many different people 
and hear so many different stories about how people came from, you know, how they ended up talking to me. Um, I talked to a lot of veterans, like we get to chit chat about, you know, their stories and how they ended up, you know, where they are. Um, and, and I love it. Like, as I said, I love hearing people's stories and how I can, I can help them. Even if I can't get them a job with an MYR, um, I always offer my, my assistance about helping write, you know, write resumes, you know, going through interviews, anything I can do to help a veteran get a good job that is meaningful to them. That, that's really my goal. Um, like I said, even if it's not with MYR, um, I still want to be a resource for them. So I, I, I do spend a lot of time, you know, helping veterans with their resumes, helping them deal with, with interviews and, and this the whole hiring process. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I kind of want to stay on your role real quick, uh, just to highlight it and see if there's, you never know, you know, the more people hear about a job, it kind of, it could kind of cater to them and they could kind of make a career decision. Uh, but what are some char- characteristics that someone who wants to be inside talent acquisition, uh, what should they have? What's going to develop in that role? Um, I know probably in each company is different, but, but what, what, in your experience, what, what's kind of sets that apart? You know, I think it's just advocating for the company. You know, part of it is you have to be proud of the company you're working for. Um, and I am. I think MYR is a great company. I think Arbus's subsidiaries are great companies. So that that's a that's a big part of it. Like I, I couldn't do this job if I didn't believe in the companies that that I support. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's being candid. You know, people don't want to be lied to. They don't they don't want to. You know, it, as great as MYR is, we're not perfect. Um, and I, you know, I never want to share anything negative about a company, but you know, you know it's it's being candid with with employees, right? well, with candidates, and just you know I like to walk them through the process, um, tell them what what we're going to do, like how how it works. We do background checks and drug testing, and um, you know I try to walk through the role as best I can, whatever role they're they're applying for, project managers, estimators, warehouse, you know every, every role we have. I try to as best I can walk them through what the daily responsibilities are. Um, just so they have a better understanding of what they're getting themselves into. What are some of the strengths you have in your, in your role that, that your personality brings out or. Um, I think I'm a good listener. Um, you know, I like to, I like to ask questions to get, to get Candace talking to me. I don't like to go down the list of tell me about a time you dealt with a difficult employee or tell me about a time you dealt with a difficult manager. I feel like if you just have a conversation with people, um, a lot of our questions will get answered about the, the, you know, maybe the type of employee they're going to be, you know, what, what they're looking for in a new role. Um, you know, we want someone who's going to come on board and want to stay with us long term. Uh, we don't want someone who's going to stick with us for a few months and then try to try to, you know, the grass is always greener kind of thing. We want we want to focus on retention here. Um, so that that's a big part of what we're trying to do. You know, recruiting is hard enough. Retaining is harder. Um, so we just try to I, especially me, I try to I try to get out the best and what the candidate has to offer. And it's just like just kind of talk about themselves. You know, most people like to talk about themselves. Um, so you just ask them open-ended questions about their life and how they ended up at that time and place where they're talking to me. Um, and people really enjoy that. And I, I think that's what I, I try to connect with people too. That, that's a big thing for me is being able to connect with someone on some level. Um, even if we're completely different, you know, we've different views on anything. I, I try, there's still some way you connect with someone. We're all human beings. Um, you know, we're all trying to be the best versions of ourselves. I think I like to hope so. Yeah. Um, so just just trying to find out what makes somebody motivated to want to come in and do a good job and and to want to do be you know, be a better person for themselves or for their families. Kicking off twenty twenty four, 
could say a lot of people set some goals, uh, personal and professional, but uh, is there anything you're looking on to improve on um, and focus on in your, in your role as a um, uh, talent acquisition in talent, in talent acquisition um, this year? Yeah, I, you know, I think whatever I can do to be more valuable to the company, um, even if it's something maybe outside of talent acquisition I can help with, that's that's always something I'm looking to do. Um, you know, I, 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 that's a really good question. I wasn't wasn't expecting that. <laughs> that's um, you know, it's just get, it's getting more knowledge of the industry, more knowledge of you know, talent acquisition and recruiting because it, it's an ever evolving industry. So just trying to stay up. On, on different things that are happening in the industry and within our company. Um, That's good. What are some, um, yeah. we'll, we'll kind of end it, we'll end uh, this, this section up with this last question here, but what are some of the challenges of your role? Um, you know, it, it's finding, finding people we think are going to do a good job for us and who, who want to be part of MYR and want to be part of our culture. Um, and want to grow our business and make it make make it an employer that, that people want to go to. You know, MYR as a whole is I don't think is is well known. Um, our subsidiaries are. You know, Sturgeon is well known in everywhere we operate. Everyone knows Sturgeon. Everyone seems to know our our other subsidiaries. Um, but we, we want to make this a place that you know, if you say I, I work for MYR, we want people to to know what MYR is, um, and just being that that company that, that people are dying to come to. Yeah. I think that's the goal of, of our, of our whole team is just being that, that top line employer. That's awesome. That's cool. And we'll get into it right now, but uh, I think working with your team uh, with, with the role within the, uh, the ERG allows me to kind of work uh, directly or uh, adjacent to the talent acquisition team. And you guys, you guys are experts. It's hard to like you, you, like you said, you're not an uh, electrical professional, and to know the ins and outs of, of a job to a candidate, it's, it, it takes some time and some talent to and, and some hard work to kind of get to know and be familiar with those those roles and, and what that looks like to 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 kind of vet that that candidate, and make sure you answer all the questions. So, uh, David, we, uh, we'll we'll shift now, but uh, and uh, kind of do your specialty. You're kind of the the groups and the company's um, transition specialists where we're talking about what's available to veterans and, and what we can offer. Um, so kind of want to hit you with this first question. That's cool with you. Absolutely. Um, how can a veteran convey their experience and value towards a role um, diff- different from their specific focus in military? So just kind of those transferable skills. Um. Yeah, I mean, so I think you know, skills that companies are always looking for is, you know, professionalism, being on time, doing your job, um, doing your job the best you can every day. Um, you know, sometimes we're not, you know, we have, obviously we have job descriptions. Sometimes we're not always looking for someone to match every bullet point on a job description. You know, there's there's a lot of other skills that we're looking for. Um, you know, trust is, is a big thing. You know, wanting to learn, wanting to be able to mentor and guide some of the the junior level employees, you know, I know a lot of our project managers start out as project engineers, and we expect our project managers to be able to teach and mentor and guide the younger generation of, of employees so they can lead, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And then you talk about even just in your situation where you're, you're advanced marksman, you get that, 
that that high mark and it's a great it's a great skill set but that doesn't transfer towards the corporate world but you hit the nail on the head when you said yeah that might not transfer but those get that skill set to obtain that those are good those are key uh key characteristics that a good employer would want to see that that focus the ability to stay calm the ability to problem solve um and not panic in a high stress situation right yeah exactly yeah and those can all be conveyed in the interview and resume, right? You can transfer those. Absolutely, yeah. You can, yeah, you can convey that stuff on a resume. Yeah, um, you know, cover letters. We don't, we don't see a lot of cover letters anymore. It's kind of a lost art, but I, I like seeing cover letters, especially when they're tailored, uh, tailored to the job, and and tailored to the company. Um, and they're just explaining, you know. So a lot of veterans coming out of the military, they don't, they may not have the the skill sets that every employer is looking for. Um, but you have that drive and that, and that passion and that desire to want to be the best. Yes. And you can, you don't, you can convey that on a resume and especially in an interview. Um, absolutely. When, when you're talking to someone like me. Yeah, that's absolutely. I think that's, that's great having you part of the, the TA team is where you have that, that skill set of, of a veteran and recognize um, and ask those questions uh, to a, to a candidate that is a veteran and you can help bring that out. So. Um, can you explain some different types of jobs, any, any jobs you think that have a low barrier to entry? Um, yeah, so we have, you know, we have project coordinators. Um, we have, we have administrative assistants, um, don't need a whole lot of real life experience. Um, don't need a degree by any means. Um, but it's really just, a, again, a, a desire to learn and want to learn about the company and be, just be part of a team. Um, you know, we have warehouse jobs, we have driver jobs, we have mechanic jobs. Um, and, and mechanics really should be an easy transition for a lot of veterans. If they've been mechanics in the military, there are diesel mechanics, they're heavy equipment mechanics. Um, you know, we don't have tanks obviously, but it's still, there's still mechanics. And like they, it's still, still a machine. I beg to differ. Um, These trucks are built like tanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we have CDL drivers, and I know a lot of you know you're, you're driving twenty six thousand plus you know trucks, um, MRAPs, um, they're, they're CDL class vehicles. So that that kind of transition should be relatively easy for a veteran who's done that before. And I think this may be something to note to take note is is in not just MOR group, but as a workforce or a job uh, where the job market's at is we're seeing that barrier to entry of having a degree is kind of it's not necessarily required anymore when you look at some of these administrative or, or operations positions, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a degree is always nice in, in, in some roles, you know, if, if we're hiring for an accountant, we would expect someone to have a degree in accounting. That just kind of makes sense. Um, but we're really trying to move away from degrees, you know, it, we, uh, and our job descriptions will say, you know, experience can be considered in lieu of a degree. Um, so in some cases, a degree is nice, but it's it's really about the experience and the attitude, and well, again, the candidate wanting to come in and 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 make a difference. So, do you think that candidate should be confident once they transition right out of the military to to go ahead and and try to make that jump to to a position that maybe you'd probably be deterred from or uh, hesitant because you think it might require a degree, where they're kind of weighing the option: do I go right into the job force uh, or the workforce, excuse me, and or do I go to school? I mean, you can certainly do both. I mean, 
MYR is a great tuition reimbursement program, so you can, you can go to school and work here as well. Um, the key, the key to veterans coming out of the military is having a resume that civilians can understand. Um, we all want to brag about our military service, but when you start talking about, you know, team leads and fire teams and, and all the stuff, civilians don't really understand that. And they're not going to do the research to try to figure out what a fire team means. Um, they want to be able to understand your experience. And you, you can certainly do that. It doesn't matter what your job is. You can you can translate your military experience to civilian terminology without losing any of that um, expertise. How confident should so they? That, that, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that, that that's really the biggest thing of, of veterans coming out is making sure your resume is, is understood by, by civilians. How confident should a, a candidate be who's, let's say, served for 20 years and they're looking into transition to the civilian sector? How confident should they be in that resume that they're not, you know, 20 years in the Army, 20 years in the Navy? What's that look like for a candidate? I, I mean, I, I love seeing that. And I, I would think anyone looking at someone who's served 20 years with the same company. I mean, it's it's dedication, it's commitment. And I don't think people truly understand how difficult being on active duty is, especially when you're traveling around, you know, you, especially if you're married and you have kids, like you're, you're, you're moving, you could move two or three times a year to different duty stations in different states, maybe different countries. Um, and the resilience that you need for that and the commitment and the dedication to what you're doing is, it, I, I can't speak highly enough about folks who serve 20 plus years. Um, and like I said, I don't think I don't think some civilians really truly understand the commitment that service members make. Yeah, well said. And and yeah. Um, how how would you say, uh, suggest um, someone who, who what they wanted to do after the military? How would you suggest they start that 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 conversation? Or what's what's that look like? What's step one look like? Um, I think part of it is finding what you, finding what you enjoy, um, you know, maybe finding a job you want to do. I know it's, it's difficult. You know, I, I, I hear a lot, well, find your passion. Um, and then you never have to work a day in your life kind of thing. That, that's, that's, that, that's difficult. I think that that's rare that people find a job where they don't feel like they're working. Um, you know, it's still a job, it's still work. Um, but you, you don't want to enjoy it. So I think, you know, it, it, and it, it, can, it can be difficult, especially spending 20 years doing the same thing. Um, you may, that may be your comfort zone. You may want to look for a job in, in civilian life if you're in the military, just because it's, it's, you don't have to learn something new. And it's like I said, it's in your comfort zone. But I think going outside your comfort zone is important too. That's what I did. Um, went outside of my comfort zone, you know, recruiting and, and, Talent acquisition is isn't doesn't come easy for me. Doesn't come easy for me talking to strangers. Um, like I said, that's why I try to focus on making a, a connection with people, because that's that's when I can really open up and, and share. Um, but being out of your comfort zone, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's liberating when you when you do something outside of your comfort zone and go into a career that's outside of your comfort zone. It, it's it's a great feeling, especially when you when you succeed at it. Why do you think it's important for veterans to advocate for veterans getting into a company like MOR Group? Um, you yourself, you're, you're kind of the spearhead, being that maybe that first person that a, a candidate talks to, being in talent acquisition. But you know, we're public with the with our 
with our veteran employee resource group. It's 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 something that we're proud about, and we we want to get the word out. Um, why is it important that we get that exposure? Um, you know, I think part of it goes back to just you know, civilians just may not understand um, the commitment that veterans make, and the and the the sacrifices they made. Um, and I'm not talking about people who deployed to combat zones. I mean, just like you, you sacrificed a lot. You were away from home. Um, you know, it's, and I, I don't think that gets the recognition that it deserves outside of veterans. Um, you know, I, I, to go back a few years, I was in an interview with someone with a different company and the recruiter I was talking to said, you know, we're not looking for someone to come in and turn this place into a boot camp and make all these rules. And I was, I was so taken aback and offended that someone would actually say that to me it's just because I'm a veteran that I'm, I'm just, um, you know, I, I got, um, I'm not flexible. I'm just going to come in and turn this and make all these rules and turn this place into a boot camp. That's, that's, that was offensive to me. Um, and it's not a company that I would ever want to even work for. Even if they had made me an offer, I would just, there was no way I was going to work for a company like that. That is just so narrow-minded. And that's how they're going to talk to a veteran. Um, yeah, good point. That's... I mean, yeah, I mean, we we're not like that at all. I don't think. I mean, we have to we have to change on the on the spot in some cases. Um, you know, we we have a plan in place. You want to go on a mission, you always have a plan, and you always have a backup plan and a backup plan to that because the the first plan never works out. It could anything could happen. So you always have to follow the backup plan and maybe the backup plan to that backup plan. Um, so we, we, you know, we have to be nimble and you have to be able to adapt and change pretty, pretty quickly and not let, not let it bother you, not, not get upset or angry. You just say, well, that's just the way it is. We have to, you know, the mission changed. We have to move forward. Well said. Uh, we'll kind of transition out of career transition and then hit into candidate tools and what that support looks like. But um, I kind of wanted to ask you, you being separated, we're going, it looks like 10 years, um, transitioning out of, uh, out of, uh, the reserves, but what does that support look like for transitioning members from 10 years ago to, to now for you? What, what's the, what are some of the key differences that you've, you've noticed? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think a lot more companies are, you didn't are think, really... I, you didn't think I was going to challenge you, David? I, I thought it was going to be easy. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I think a lot more companies are, are really open to, to hiring veterans because they understand the skill sets that we can bring. Um, you know, we have a lot of tools within MYR. Um, you know, we have, and if you go to our job portal, um, we have a military skills translator that's powered by military.com. Um, so you can type in your, your MOS and it'll pull up matches about jobs that we have that, that match your MOS. Um, so tools like that, it, it, it's 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 a great way to, to get into the company and to at least get some ideas. Maybe maybe some some jobs might pop up that you didn't think of that you have a skill set for. Um, you think that help helps open the doors as far as creativity and just kind of like to get those get those creative juices flowing about hey you know this is something I should look into. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll get people thinking about maybe jobs that they didn't consider. Um, just by using something as, as simple as, as a as a skills translator that's on our website. All right, cool. Let's head let's head right back into that tools. Um, uh, what's available for tools? Uh, what, in that, we'll start with that question. What are some of the tools available for, for candidates? 
Yep. So like I said, you know, the military skills translator, um, we, we can set up one-on-one -on -one resume reviews uh, for folks. Like I said, I do that a lot. I, I help a lot of veterans with, with resumes at no charge. Um, no one should be charging a veteran uh, to write their resume. I, I, would, I can't stress that enough. There's, there's, there's services out there that will charge veterans. You don't need to do that. There's, there's a lot of people like me out there who will certainly do that for free. Um, and frankly, we'll give you better insight because you, know, you use a service to rewrite your resume. It's really just a, a template that they use. Um, it's not going to be personalized. It's, it, I, it definitely isn't the way to go. And I would never suggest anyone using a service to write a resume when, when I said, again, there's, there's people like me and people on our ERG that, that can help you with your resume. You being kind of a, a resume expert guru, if you will, will send me in there for as far as veterans. Is there anything that you can say as a blanket statement to uh, you see a, a common error or common need of improvement on for resumes? Yeah, I, th I think uh, it's really just using military lingo um, and lingo that you know, civilians just want to understand. Like, you know, like you're, you're a fire team lead. The, the average person out, out here is not going to know what a fire team lead is, but it's, it's a supervisor. Um, and we, we have team leads here. We have, we have administrative assistant team leads. We have you know project engineers who are team leads. Um, use that lingo that's, that civilians understand, and you can see that when you when you when you search for jobs, you can see the the, the terms that companies use that they're looking for. So incorporate those terms into your resume. So you know, it, it's it can be a little challenging at first. It can be again a little bit overwhelming. Um, and again, I know veterans want to share that, that experience. They want to share that you shot expert. Um, it doesn't translate well into, especially a job with MYR. It, it's it's nice. We're all proud of it. You should be proud of it. Uh, but it, it doesn't doesn't always look good on a resume because it's, it's not going to help with the job function. It's not going to help you do your job. Um, so maybe maybe keep that maybe keep that off. Gotcha. How about linking in that social media page that that LinkedIn on your resume or having that up to date? What does that look like for for? Yeah, absolutely. That LinkedIn is a phenomenal tool for people to use. If you're not on LinkedIn as a veteran, get on LinkedIn. Connect with other veterans. Um, I can also help with that. Our our Verge team can also help with you creating a LinkedIn profile. Um, now it's a professional network, uh, but it, it's it, it's a great way to reach out and talk to other veterans and talk to people. In the industry, you can reach out to me directly, and I, I can help you with your LinkedIn profile, with your resume, to get yourself out there. Um, like I said, connecting with other veterans, other industry experts. If you if you know you want to be a project manager in construction, reach out to other project managers in construction. Um, you know, find a company you want to work for, and reach out to those people and say, "Hey, I'd, I'd love to get into your industry. I'd love to understand what a project manager does in your field." And nine times out of 10, people will be responsive. People love talking about themselves and love talking about their job. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pride it's, and, and sharing that knowledge with people. Um, and you're never going to go wrong by reaching out to people directly and asking them for help. Again, it's, it's, <laughs> we go back to asking for help because yeah. um, you, you can't do it on your own. Is putting your LinkedIn uh, address or have your profile page on your resume, is that something you, you're an advocate for? Absolutely. Yeah. If you have a LinkedIn profile, it definitely should be on your resume. Yeah. Right on. And bunch of good information folks on this, in this episode. Um, more specifically, can we talk about MR groups, uh, chat box and talent community? 
Yep. So on our website, um, mwrgroup.com, you'll see our chat bar. We, we name him Sparky. Um, you can go on and ask Sparky pretty much any question you might have, and he'll give you, it's a canned response, um, but he'll give you answers to, to basic questions you might be looking for. Um, and again, if Sparky doesn't give you the answer you're looking for, um, reach out to one of us directly. Reach out to myself. We can reach out to Paul. Paul's on LinkedIn. Um, all our Verge team is on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to one of us and, and you know, get the answer to, the, to your question. And then uh, the talent community? How about that? Yep. Yep. We have a talent community, so you, you can sign up. And if, if you go on our, to our website and maybe there's a job you, you don't see that you're interested in, you can still join our talent community. And what we can do is we can email you. You can sign up for jobs you might be interested in. So if you're interested in project manager jobs, join our talent community. And every time we post a project manager job, we'll send you an email saying, hey, we noticed that you're interested in project manager jobs with, with our company. Here's a link to, the, to, to these jobs. Um, that's awesome tool. We, we do, when, and yeah, and when we do job fairs, we email folks. Um, we were just part of the Recruit Military Job Fair uh, back in November. Um, every veteran in our talent community got an email from us saying, hey, we want you to take part in a veteran in a Recruit Military Job Fair. Um, so we try to stay in, in constant contact with all our veterans that are in our in our system. Yeah, that pounding the pavement and going to a physical job fair, it's 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 still effective, but there's a, there's a uh, a great success in, in really attending these, these online job fairs. We've had the, the privilege of doing uh, whenever you, uh, with partnering up with recruitmilitary.com and having successful years of, of a lot of feed, good feedback, a high vo- volume of potential candidates coming in and asking questions and engaging with veterans in the organization with the ERG. So it's, it's a good time. Um, and we'll link all this in the, I'll put this all in the description. So don't, uh, no one get a, worried to hear we'll, we'll get you in the right uh, spot um is there any other uh job seeker tools or networking tips obviously linkedin's gonna be a big one for networking is there anything else you got david i think linkedin's the biggest one for as far as networking and just connecting with people um and it's it, it could be something as simple as asking those those questions like you said if you connect with a project manager you know what's what's those roles look like what's your day-to-day role look like what are some of the the skills, like some of the questions I asked David, what's a, what's a good skill set to have if I want to be a project manager? Should I be flexible? Should I should I understand uh, the electrical grid? You know, what, asking those kind of questions can kind of give you a better uh, a better outlook about what you're getting into. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna, yeah, job and job searching is hard. Like it, it's 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 not easy. So, if you're sending out a bunch of resumes to companies and you're not getting any kind of response, or, or you're not getting, or you're getting the declined for interviews. Or, then it's probably something on a resume that isn't working. Um, and that's the time to not get angry, not get upset. Um, now's the time to reach out to, to me or you and try to find out why your resume is not getting the attention you think it deserves. Because there's, there's probably something on there that we can fix pretty pretty easily um, that, that'll get your resume more attention. And you've always been an advocate, I've heard you say a few times, is gear your your resume towards that job you're seeking, not not just a blanket, broad resume. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the best way to get to get the feedback you want. Um, and again, it's more work when you're job searching, but, you know, you, you should really tailor a resume to to the to job and the company you're looking for. So look at the job description of the job you're interested in and make sure those bullet points are incorporated into your resume. Um, now, I'm not saying copy and paste the job description to your resume because um, we do see that a little bit. And that's that's not the way to do it. That's just lazy. Um, 
but you just want to, you know, again, again, tailor your experience to the job description and to the company. That that's the best way to get to get at least get an interview. We'll stick right there. Um, I know every company is going to be different, but do you have any uh, like a top five interview tips for for potential candidates or anything? Any feedback for that? You know, I, you know, if if the resume is formatted correctly and it doesn't have to be long, you know, if the resume is only a half a page because you just spent four years in the military and that's your experience. That's perfectly okay. You don't need to feel like you need to stretch it out or add a photo, anything like that. Just keep it professional. Have a professional email. Um, you know, I see I see some kind of goofy emails, and that's not it's not it's not a it's not an automatic rejection by any means. But you just want to keep it professional. I mean, looking for a job with a professional company, so keep your email professional. Maybe your name um, kind of chopped up, maybe a few few numbers in there, kind of keep it unique, and then be done, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should be pretty bland. I mean, you don't need to make a fancy resume with fancy fonts or anything like that. Just keep it basic. Yeah. What about the interview itself, David? Is there any, you know, show up on time? Which which did you wear? Is it a business casual kind of for these uh, these online interviews? Yeah, typically it's business casual. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're a construction company, so we're not, no one really dresses up or, or fancy, but be professional. Um, if it's a video interview, you definitely, I would suggest wearing a suit. Um, looking, looking the part, um, you know, try to be in an area where you're not distracted by, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's a different world now. So a lot of us are, are home. Um, but if you have a, a private space, we can do an interview with kids aren't in the background or, or pets or anything like that. Um, that's definitely helpful. Not that it's a deal breaker. Uh, when I interviewed here, my dog was, was in my interview. Um, luckily my, my boss was, was fine with it. Um, she didn't hold it against me. Um, but just, you know, being, being professional, um, you know, having good questions to ask, there's nothing worse than going to an interview with a candidate. And then at the end you say, well, what, what questions do you have for me? The, the worst thing you can say is I don't have any questions. That just shows a lack of interest. It shows a lack of, um, you know, candor. It shows that you're not prepared. Um, there, there should be something you should be able to ask and, and genuine questions and not just, well, how much does it pay? You know, ask about culture, ask about, you know, ask, it's always, I love always asking when people ask me why I'm here. I've been here almost three years now. I love when people ask me why, why I've been here for three years, what keeps me here. Um, questions like that are just phenomenal because it shows that you're thinking, it shows that you care, it shows that you, you thought through the interview and you didn't just kind of show up, you know, last minute. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be a level of preparation with anything. Uh, yeah. I, I've had instances of, uh, I, I produce and co-host another podcast and I've learned that preparation has been key. And um, as, as good of a relationship I have with David and, and knowing a little bit about his story, there still was a, a level of preparation that I, I wanted to do for this podcast to bring the value to it and, and, and engage and really challenge David and bring out that, that side that can really impact and empower others when they listen. So um, with long story being short, there's a level of preparation you should have when you're interviewing in, in that research with the the potential employer like there's there's you're you're selling yourself but you're you you want to pick a good spot you want to do your your homework and make sure it's a good fit for you and uh you you do that by some preparation so yeah it, it i mean interviews go both ways i mean we're, we're interviewing candidates but candidates should also be interviewing us yeah. and asking us about the company like specific questions about culture and you know and what a what a, what a typical day-to-day -day might be or you know 
is there a path to a promotion? Can I do other things within the company? Those are the kind of questions we, we want. That, that's going to help you move forward and succeed. Absolutely. You're going to be sacrificing your time. This is, you know, getting a job is, is, is a good deal. It's a, it's a career move and you should be part of you being happy about where you show up to work and have finding that purpose, especially as a veteran, finding that next mission is, is being attached to a good company and, and having, being a part of a good team. And the only way you're going to get to know that is by asking the right questions and being a, a somewhat prepared and, and having a good uh, line of thought in, in this kind of process. So thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that purpose is so important. Um, that's took a long time for me to kind of find, find my purpose. Um, so, and, and, you know, you definitely want to be part of a company where you, where you do feel like you have a purpose and you do feel valued and important. Absolutely. Right on. Um, all right, David, we'll transition again. Um, kind of wa- wanted to wrap up the candidate tools. Uh, you're the expert. So I want to make sure we covered everything in, in that realm for candidate tools. Is there anything else, uh, of interest for you? Um, no, I, th- I think we covered the main points at this point, like, you know, using the skills translator, um, you know, s- submitting your profile so we can stay in contact with you. Um, even if we're all may not, may not be the right, right at the time, six months from now, we may have a role that that's, that's a good fit for you. Um, and that's the other thing I think I'd like to share with candidates is it, maybe you may get a rejection email saying, you know, sorry, we enjoyed talking with you, but we're going to move forward with other candidates. It doesn't mean that it's, that is permanent. Um, you know, keep, keep looking. If it's, if it's really a company you want to work for, you know, apply for, maybe apply for a different role or apply for a role in the future. I mean, we, we're, we're always reaching out to people that have applied in the past, seeing if they're interested in a role. We, you know, we, we have a, our system tracks everybody that applies. Um, and we, we, we always reach out to people who have applied in the past seeing if they're interested in a role now. That's a, so that's, don't, don't get. Well, go ahead. I was, that, that's a good point is, is you can be discouraged by maybe getting a rejection letter or, or however that looks rejection email and then, or getting that conversation, but staying in the fight and um, reapplying just because you were the, not the right candidate at that time doesn't mean you're the right fit. It just kind of worked out that way. And like being, sorry, excuse me, uh, being in the construction industry, it's ever evolving. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot going on. Things are changing. Uh, the grid is growing. Um, a lot of construction, electrical constructions in high demand. Like there's like, from week to week, we, we could see some changes. So that, that was a good point, David. I like that. Yeah. 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 We're constantly growing. Yeah. So like I said, just because it's not the right fit now doesn't mean it won't be the right fit in the future. So don't, you know, don't think, oh, they, I hate them now. I'm not, they're, they're dead to me. I'm not going to ever apply for them again. That's that you shouldn't, you shouldn't have that mindset. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, let's transition. Uh, kind of highlight the the ERG before we wrap up um, the Veteran Employee Resource Group, uh, and to kind of remind everyone, we were the first ERG started up by MWR Group. It's something we take pride in being veterans that uh, we have that that kind of uh, uh, spearhead of of kind of setting the tone and what that looks like for for a company like MWR Group. But uh, David, if you can kind of see if you can kind of elaborate maybe on what what an ERG does for, for a company like MWR Group. Yeah, so an ERG is it's an employee resource group. Um, it's designed to get uh, you know employees together who have the same background. Um, so, like I said, it's our veteran employee resource group. So we're all veterans. Um, you don't you're not required to be a veteran to be a part of the ERG. Um, as long as you have you know you value veterans and you, you want to see veterans succeed, that's really what we're looking for. 
Um, ideally, they would all be veterans because we all have kind of the same experiences um, and we kind of understand how how each other thinks. Um, you know, there's some usually some fun, you know, ribbing back and forth about different branches. I always like to pick on other branches, um, yeah. but it's, it's, all, it's all in good fun. We I think we enjoy it. Um, but it, it's just getting that group together and, and talking through how MYR can be a better company for veterans. If it's, you know, a coin program, if it's uh, a mentorship program for veterans, you know, you know, what, what can MYR do to make it a better environment for our veteran community? Um, that, that's really what we strive to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how much of being a part of the ERG, the Veteran Play Research Group, has impacted you in, in your role? It's a volunteer role for you, too. As you're, I know uh, you're not necessarily tied to the board. You're not really in that decision-making process, but you're involved in the meetings as our HR advisor. You're keeping us kind of in our checks and balances. But uh, how important is it to you f- for us to have success and, and give leadership that proper feedback so we can help um, deliver some maybe um, – uh, opinions or, or give make sure we get that, that proper feedback to that, that chain of command. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a, it's volunteer for all of us. Um, you know, we all have full-time jobs. We're, we're all busy. Um, but we all, we're all taking the time out of our day to, to take part in this because we understand how important it is. Um, I think it's tremendous that our, our company leadership decided to make veterans our first employee resource group. I was, I was honored to even be, um, asked to be, to be part of it. Um, so the fact that, that senior leadership recognizes how valuable our veterans are um, is, is really important to me. And I, I want to do everything we can to make this succeed uh, and make it the best environment we can, not just for veterans, but for everybody. I mean, you know, we focus on veterans, but it's it's about company culture. Um, it's about being all inclusive and seeing everyone's value. Absolutely. So I think, I think it's, I think it's really important what we're doing. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's awesome that, Veterans has, has, has been chosen to be the first ERG. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I kind of want to get back to that part of the question is uh, I wanted to kind of corner you in is how has it impacted you personally to be a part of this though? Um, um, it, it's, it's, it's had a pretty significant impact again. It, you know, I, I feel like I've, I hope I've been able to help at least a few veterans on the, on the ERG just by sharing um you know, my experiences and just being candid about some of the struggles I've been through, you know, I talking about maybe mental health struggles is, is challenging with, with people you don't know that well. Um, but I feel like if, if by me sharing is helping somebody else, then I'll, I'll share all day and I'll, I'll share more. If it, if it takes, if it takes me sharing more to get somebody the help they need or to get someone to understand that it's, it's, it's okay to have struggles. Um, I'll, I'll keep sharing. I'll, I'll share as much as I need to to get as long as it helps. In your opinion, what does success look like for the Veteran Employee Resource Group at MWAR Group? I, I think we've already been successful. I think the fact that we have been doing this for, you know, I guess it's been, been about a year now. Um, I think the fact that we're, we're still together, we're still pushing through, we're still continuing our mission. Um, you know, I think we, we started out, we had a lot of initials we wanted to do. I think we, we, our, our expectations were all too high on ourselves. Um, but, you know, it's a learning curve. Like I said, it's our first ERG for the company. We're all learning as we go. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think just, just continuing to push through and to continue to try to make this a, the 
best company we can for veterans. I think as long as we do that, we'll succeed. Absolutely. I think uh, I'll say transparently too, is I learned so much too, being a part of um, being part of the veteran employee resource group is the expectations high when you join and especially me as as the board chair um, spearheading the initiatives and, 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 quite honestly, you want to save the world. You want to, you want to save the community, but you realize that, that, that seed is planted with just one veteran or one candidate finding that job, making that connection. And I think a lot of times we put that, that bullseye that's, it's too big. And there's some success in hitting that one bullseye, that, that, that direct expert marksmanship where you just, you just get that one person, that, that, that job that they enjoy and you know, ten years down the road, they've had a, they have a successful career with an MYR group, and they're uh, they're advancing their career. And you were a little bit a part of that, you know. Um, a couple of weeks right here, I'll be turning forty, and, and and I'm at a stage in my life where I enjoy having that impact and maybe being a part of that difference. In that, that this being a part of the ERG has been um, been a piece of that success. So, um, I kind of want to highlight some of the things we're doing. We got the newsletter going on. Um, it's going to highlight what we're doing as a group. Uh, it's going to be based internally for, for, for us in, in a company, but we're going to highlight some key initiatives. Uh, obviously, we've got the podcast that's public and, and internally, and this is just for everyone to kind of listen to, and we want to highlight individuals, uh, their stories, their jobs, their roles. So, um, And then the job fair. The job fair has been, been a success. We've had some great success, got a lot of good feedback. Recruit Military says some good things about w- with what we do. Um, we have people on with the the, ER, the the veteran employee resource group as well as the the, the TA team and and we kind of tag team it in a sense and and have have fun with that. So, um, like David mentioned, we we were looking at some incentive incentives that highlight veterans within the organization. So, um, and also um, always good to give back that community outreach. We're always kind of looking for that too. So, what do you think, David? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's important too. Yeah, yeah. I've been attending some TAP programs. Um, at a local army base here in, in Colorado Springs. Um, so we're trying to get some of our, our folks to be more involved in those so we can try to, you know, attract veterans before they get out. So if they, they may, if they don't have a plan before they come off active duty, at least we can try to give them some kind of a path. Um, again, even if, if it's not with our company, we're always willing to help out and, and get, get someone into a role that's, that's meaningful to them. Um, they can have the same sense of pride that they had while serving. I think that's the most important thing for me. Absolutely. David, man, we've been going for about an hour and a half. Um, and we, we, we covered a lot. We did, this was a pretty good podcast. Um, I, I think if there's anything we missed or we, we kind of learned from this, we can definitely resurface this, retable this and come back late in the year with another episode, just because of your skill set and what we learn. Um, I think the veteran community and, and, the workforce is always evolving, so there's always going to be some new information. There's it looks like there's a lot of new programs um, advocating for veterans on the government side that that um, make the skill set, the transitioning skill set, a little bit easier. So um, this is always a conversation we can we can always have, and thankfully we can utilize this platform with with the podcast. So, uh, David, absolutely. Where, where can people connect with you? You got any last words? You got any uh, words of advice? You got a quote to live by? What, what do you got for us? Um, you know, I think the one quote we use in, in talent acquisition here is changing hearts and minds. Um, we say it a lot. We actually have a little plaque on our desks that say changing hearts and minds. That's what we're trying to do. Um, I know it's a big thing in the military when, especially folks who served overseas, that was a, one of our, one of our missions. Um, 
and we continue that here. Um, you know, I think you can contact me on LinkedIn. Um, my, I have, I have contact information up there, so please reach out, connect with me. Um, if you need help with the resume, need help with anything, just want to talk through anything, I'm, I'm always available to help, to help out a fellow, fellow veteran. So absolutely, please reach out, yeah. I guess is my final thought. Just, there's, there's always folks to help provide support and guidance and, and get you, get you whatever you need to, to kind of continue your mission in life. Well said, we're going to put that on a placard. That's good. Uh, all right, guys, I'll put all of David's information in the show notes. Don't want to miss that. Uh, David, man, appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I've known you for going on three years now. Um, there's some details that you shared that I, I never knew. So it was, it was, uh, it was great. I'm, I'm glad you, it takes a level of vulnerability. So I appreciate you, man, taking the time for that. I appreciate talking to you. It's been great. Yeah, cool. We look, we look, we look forward to more podcasts in the future. Uh, no pressure. All right, guys, I'll put all the information in the show notes. Um, Please check us out. We appreciate it. We'll catch you guys on the next one. We're out.